to Expounded Universe, Season 11, Episode 8, Zucks to Be You. The book, Jedi Search, by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, 1994. Chapters 21 through 23. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Shall we go? Hey, everybody, who wants some Expounded Universe? I'm giving it out. I'm just standing here on the corner, passing out Expanded Universe from 5 till 9. I'm Jeff. Joining me, as always, is Dr. John. I'm not a doctor. He's a real doctor. (laughs) (laughs) With a PhD in kicking your ass. (laughs) Yeah, I got a PhD. I know what you're going to say. Or actually, I know what you're not going to say. I know exactly what I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'm up to speed. By the way, I, just a show note, your internet sucks ass. So listeners, if uh, if it seems like I'm talking to no one, it's because John was not then. That was when he was carrying me. Exactly. At, at mm-hmm. a point where there's some weird silence, it is because the internet has decided to uh, take me away on a current of memory bliss. Uh, how are you otherwise i'm all right i've been busy with video games and a birthday so you know all things are wonderful that's good keeping it keeping it real keeping it busy playing a lot of that hades hell yeah i still can't beat it but by god (laughs) oh no my friend how many attempts have you have you played so far i don't know several Uh, I think I got Hades down because you can check by just, you know, when you log in for the first time. Like, I'm guessing you haven't turned off that game on your Switch since you turned it on. No, there's no reason to turn off the game on a Switch because you just turn the Switch into sleep mode and then you come back to it. Yeah, I, I, on request from my daughter who loves watching uh, Mario Kart, which she calls Cars Go Zoom, uh, had switched to Mario Kart. So when I had to reload into Hades, it told me how many attempts I, I had run. And that was after I had killed Hades the second time. And I got him twice in a row. Uh, so it looks like I got him on my 24th and 25th attempts. Nice. Which, uh, I, I don't know if that's good or not. I have no idea. Everyone's going to play at their own pace. It's a hard-ass roguelike, and I love it. <laughs> Great. I'm still finding shit. I'm so excited by how much crap they buried in the nooks and crannies of that thing. Oh, yeah. So... You know, this is just a system mastery recommends. We're not brought to you by Supergiant or anything. Yeah. And also, this isn't an expounded universe recommends. It's system mastery recommends. <laughs> oh, come on. System mastery is the brand. That's this the is just brand. One of, this is just one of the shows on the brand. I mean, the the truth of the matter is that you and I make five shows. I And, and also, we constitute system mastery. Like when people recognize us at conventions, hey, remember conventions? Ooh. But when people recognize us, they ask us if we're system mastery. It's true. And we are. Yeah. So I think I think I'm okay on that one. I'm going to take the W. <laughs> you take it and you go wherever you want with it. Maybe Sesame Street. I, I will. I'm going to take it to another Exegriff run because that shit's my jam. <laughs> So I got a chance to read the chapters today, or honestly, I probably wouldn't have pressed record. Yeah. Uh, 
I might have. It wouldn't be the first time I've just bullshit my way through an episode. <laughs> You'd just be like, John, tell them about those chapters. I've got the Wikipedia page open to this book. I'll be fine. Oh. I'll just keep talking until John asks me what my favorite thing was, and then I'll know we're done. <laughs> and that's that's it. <laughs> But no, I actually read chapters 21 through 23, which I hope to God were the right ones. Yes, indeedy. And and they open with Han. Uh, we're checking in with Han, apparently post-interrogation, uh, being brusquely dragged into a room. He is still very groggy, and he hears a new woman's voice. Apparently, this part of the Empire got a lot of women in it. Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he is, I mean, to begin the chapter, he's just sort of a lump of goo that is barely you know conscious of existence yeah he's been through some really tough shit so he manages to hear uh, a new character more or less just say oh yeah put him over there and then she is brusquely unconcerned about the danger that han present pre uh presents as uh in told her by the stormtroopers that are dragging him in there yeah. So she's just kind of like, whatever, he's not going to hurt me. Oh, fine, chain him to a pipe. I don't care. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's not hurting anyone. Well, that and, uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, she's fully aware that he is drugged beyond uh, the gills, and he is, he looks pretty messed up. But really, she's just, her, her whole thing, as it's going to turn out throughout the chapter, isn't that she's like, this guy's interrogated till he can't stand. It's that she has no concept that the Empire might be bad guys. I mean, she's definitely in denial of that, but uh, I gotta say, before we really get into the character there, I feel like now that we've seen Han tortured a few times, because that's just sort of one of the plot things you can do with Han, I guess. It's in a lot of these books. It is in very, very many of these books. I feel like this is the worst he's been, because like, even when he was like in a torture chair with things drilled into his brain he still seemed you know coherent and could kind of move but when they bring him in here he is just a sack of potatoes for like a while before he even gets the ability to open his eyes i think the the torture as we mentioned earlier when we were actually reading our way through i don't even remember the name of that book with the two kalumi bad guys yeah uh that one you know the one, the one with the two big brainos who hated each other and hated everybody else, and they weren't nearly as smart as the book kept telling us. Yeah. Uh, when they were torturing him, they already knew everything they needed to, and were just torturing him for fun? Yes. Uh, in this case, he's all drugged out because he's been shot up by an Imperial probe droid's truth serums. I mean, also that. Yeah, so he's all loaded up on unguents and balms that are that are uh, mind-affecting where they didn't want to give him any mind-affecting things on the Kalumi ship because they fucking hated him, and they wanted to make sure he had a bad day and a bunch of broken fingers and shit. Yeah, but that's why I feel like he should have been more fucked up then, because they were like, oh, we're not going to, like, try and do any sort of level of sedation or drugs or anything like that. We're just going to fucking murder your senses. Yeah, my guess here is that what we're seeing is Han mentally fucked up but physically okay like i'm by the next time we see him he'll be planning an escape attempt and all running around all han solo -y. uh 
it, it, as opposed to that Kalumi one where they were breaking fingers and taking his fingernails off and shit, putting crap in his brain. Here he's just high. He's just really fucking high. <laughs> I don't know about uh, that. I'm pretty sure he's very tortured. He's probably very tortured, but he's not very physically tortured or visibly tortured because that's this whole episode or this whole scene is him having to be like, look, new lady I just met. I was recently tortured and her being like, you weren't tortured. You were debriefed. <laughs> yeah. Like if he had a if he had two black eyes and his nose was sideways, she'd probably be a little less inclined to be like, you're fine. Well, I mean, they had him on that table that's just like we zap your muscles. So it's not like you come out looking like someone beat the shit out of you. That's true. They they probably had him on that Empire Strikes Back whatever table. The the one that, that looked like it was made for hot dog rolling before they strapped him to it. <laughs> That's exactly what they did to him. They put him in a 7-Eleven hot dog roller for a while and were like, talk, <laughs> talk, or you will sweat more. What if this doesn't work? He's worth a lot to me. Then you will enjoy one of the fine taquitos adjacent to him. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is buffalo chicken. Ew. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, this is the new person, as we learn, as he kind of comes to his senses and sees what's going on, is brand new character, Queezux. Queezux, who is, at least when we first uh, get an introduction to her, uh, using a computer through like musical tones rather than like typing things out and yeah, seems sure, to be know, like Master humming and doing stuff like that yeah you know masters of the universe came out in 1985 but you go off this is brand new and original you did it gwildor oh gwildor <laughs> i wish i could remember what that thing he had was called remember uh, he had like that that thermos with piano keys taped to it yeah I don't know what that is, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's just what she's got here. Uh, so, anyway, uh, she is currently working on a project because she thinks she's too unconscious and, and knocked out to talk to. So she's got open a uh, a 3D model, and the mo they're being very careful to be like, oh, it looks like a toroidal diamond shape with a bulbous end on one point. Perhaps some manner of energy pod. Uh, I mean... We all know what that fucking thing is. Hmm. It's uh, it's definitely the Sun Crusher. She's working on Sun Crusher plants. We already heard the mention of the damn thing. It's true. Yeah. So uh, when Han wakes up, she's like, ah, and she kind of flips out and waves her hands over it to make it go away. And oh, she geez, is it was just called the hmm 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 what hmm what what Gildor's thing. Gildor's thing was just called the Cosmic Key. Oh, okay. I was kind of hoping it had a cooler name, you know, like the Musicron or something. But no, it was just the Cosmic Key. Gretz. Yeah. So in case you were curious, and I know you weren't. And I was not. <laughs> Still, though, that fucking movie. You want to you cruise that movie later? <laughs> I really don't. Watch that scene where Gwildor's eating ribs and everyone else is like, everyone on Eternia is a vegetarian. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, so Quizux is mm -hmm. the, is just sort of the opposite of everyone else that's been at this base or on the like Star Destroyers and everything, because she's like super perky and excited and 
as soon as Han makes it like uh, then like he's awake, she just runs over there and is like, "Hey, hi, hi, hey, hey, you need to tell me about the Death Star." Yeah, she's very excited about the Death Star, and let's let's pause for a moment here to tell you what she looks like. Uh, we don't get a description of her species for quite a while here, but she is an Omwat, and I think she's the only one that's canon. And she is blue and pretty and very skinny and has giant anime eyes and feathers for hair. Yeah, they will refer to her as bird-like, but uh, then again, they seem to like referring to a lot of different species that don't look anything like birds as being bird-like, and I yeah, think that just means the- thin. <laughs> Yeah, except the Karedans aren't thin. The Karedans look like weebles. Yeah, I just... Man, Anderson, this is the second time you've described someone as bird-like, and I tell you what, no, they aren't. But you know, one thing that does make me at least a little pleased about, based on the one Karedan we've ever met, is that unlike weebles, they will indeed eventually fall down. Oh, they'll fall. Oh, they'll fall significantly. They'll sun crush. (laughs) They will fall from grace. So, so Quizux, uh, a skinny anime blue feather hair. I mean, she just sounds like someone that might have appeared in a Robotech. <laughs> like the feathers for hair thing is is a real dead giveaway. She, uh, uh, to go back to He Man, she kind of just sounds like the blue sorceress. Uh, uh, but she, is, but she is exceedingly excited to hear anything at all about the real Death Star, and so she's like. Hey, hey, tell me about the Death Star. I already read all your debriefing notes, but tell me everything else about it. I want to know what it felt like to walk in it. I want to know what it smelled like. Blah, 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 blah. And Han just kind of goes, no. (laughs) Which I appreciate. Who are you? (laughs) I just like the, why would you tell, just tell me everything about Death Star. No. Uh, But yeah, and she's like, why not? Why wouldn't you tell me everything about it? Information should be free. And the moment she says that, I was like, oh, okay, she's the... Science doesn't worry about about morality character. Great. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we've got, yeah. She's the Empire's Werner Von Braun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, except that she isn't, really. It's just that that's how they present her at the very, very beginning. Yeah. Uh, so she's just like, no, you should tell me everything about the Death Star. Tell me. Just uh, information should be free. I have access to every bit of information on the entire station at all times forever because I'm their lead scientist and that's what I am. I invent things and I do things and I do good things and I make nice things. I made the Death Star. It was my ship. And he's like, you made the Death Star? Uh, Fuck you, lady. Why? <laughs> why? why would you do that? And she's just like, because it was a neat puzzle. I mean, it was designed to blow up dead planets so we could mine the middle of them. Yeah, okay. And (laughs) I just love that eventually Han is like, okay, uh, I tell you what, if you believe that information should be free and out there and anybody should get whatever info they want because that's the way it should work, uh, where's Chewbacca and Kip? Yeah, and she immediately is like, I don't think I should tell you that. That's that's classified. And he's like, ah, okay, so some information is classified. Okay, well, I'll just sit here then. All right, well, I guess fuck your code of ethics then, huh? Ah, what do you think of that? You know what? No, again. But she <laughs> immediately just looks it up and tells him once she realizes that she's been caught in a logic trap. Oh, yeah, she's just like, yeah, Chewbacca's uh, working hard labor with some other Wookiee slaves that the Empire brought with him, and Kip's notably, just on a Star Destroyer being held. Notably, 
she never says slaves. Han says slaves. She says he's been moved to a labor pool with some Wookiees. The person who's in charge of that mechanics division loves Wookiee laborers uh, and and uh, insisted on having a number of them here with us. I think she thinks those Wookiees are getting paid. Ah, those Wookiees are union. Yeah. Uh, Han has to be like, oh, God damn it. I, for- I almost forgot that the Empire enslaved the Wookiees at one point. Yeah, they they got a lot of Wookiees. Yeah, uh, they just had Wookiees for days. I mean, and they don't blame blame them. Once you actually go out to Wookiee Plan, you're like, this race appears to do nothing but masturbate in chairs and watch TVs. <laughs> then, then yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, he's just like, wait, you built the Death Star. Also, I built things called the World Devastators for Tarkin. They were supposed to mine asteroids quickly and make them into useful houses and things like that. Yeah, they're and just like, flying factories, and they'll they'll eat up stuff that no one else is using. Isn't that great? <laughs> and he had his his response is pretty straightforward it's the one i would have had which which would be why do you think they're called that <laughs> okay i need you to take a second you created the death star and the world devastator i need you to think just for a moment why would they be called that <laughs> Well, I'm not in charge of marketing. That's marketing's job. Marketing comes up with those names. I'm sure they had synergy or something. <laughs> and even when she, Han's like, yeah, no, the Death Star blew up Alderaan and murdered billions of people. It was my wife's planet. And the World Devourers killed hundreds of thousands uh, on Calamari. So, um, f- again, let me reiterate, fuck you, lady. Yeah, and she's just like, I don't believe you. That wouldn't make any sense. Why would people use that for that? But at this point, we've already kind of hit the internal Quizux dialogue where she's like, my suspicions. Oh, yeah. And I mean, she's going to keep going like, well, you know, it's it's not my fault if someone takes my thing and does something mean with it. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although she is... G- Already, we're seeing that this character is too anime pretty to have it not have a a, a face turn. She's we're we're gearing up for it. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's what that's going on in that scene. Meanwhile, I think we go check in with Kip Duran next. Man, I don't remember shit. Yeah, there's a lot of this is one of those micro chapters. It's just like trying to remember when Shadows of the Empire was like that. Every chapter was like six little sub chapters. Yeah, God, that was terrible. But yes, this it is Kip Duran. We go to Kip Duran, who is just sitting in jail. He's grumpy with himself because he didn't have anything useful enough to not just sit in jail. He got interrogated just like Han, but he's been trapped in the minds of Kessel since he was eight. Yeah, he's like, oh, you want to know what I know? I know Spice is in the ground and don't make a scene. That is the Energy entirety spiders. of my knowledge. Energy spiders. Hate them. Yeah, yeah, I hate them. You want to hear some more crap? I don't like being in the dark. That's bad, too. Darkness? Not my thing. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, we're going to throw you into this dark jail cell. (laughs) So he's sitting there kicking himself that he's lived a boring life and looking back on the life he has led. Uh, His parents were important political figures on some unmentioned planet uh, who were... Uh, politically very moderate, and when the Emperor started consolidating power, they spoke against it in an attempt to cause the Emperor to moderate his response. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, well, we're just going to try and, you know, 
work from the inside and pull things back towards the left a little. And you're like, ooh, that's uh, uh that's that's not gonna work. And like <laughs> it says that when he blew up Alderaan, they like sternly said they didn't agree with that. Like, oh yeah, good, I, I gotta, nice. I gotta say that part was pretty hard to read. <laughs> Let's just go through it like, oh, okay, you thought that by being diplomatic, the emperor would calm down, huh? And then he didn't. Instead, he called you Kip's weirdo parents on Fox News, and everyone started calling you that. Yeah, I'm sorry. You yeah. made a mistake. He he did a horrible war crime, and you were like, we don't appreciate that, and we'll do nothing about it. That is, yeah. So we find it turns out that his parents and him got disappeared by... Stormtroopers, uh, just accused of treason and and rushed off to the Kessel Mines immediately. He did have an older brother by the name of Zeth, uh, which, awful. And uh, Zeth instead, because he is 14, was rushed off to be brainwashed and become a TIE fighter on the uh, military academies of Karita. It seems like if you were going to take someone to go be brainwashed, you'd take the 8-year-old because they're still much more impressionable than a 14-year-old. But that's just me. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong in that analysis. I feel like it's very weird that this kid ended up in the spice mines. And I believe the fact that the reason that he did end up in the spice mines is so that Han could find him. Well, yes. And that was it. Yeah, that's all it was. Um, it's so Vima Deboda could find him and go, you've got the special talent. Yeah, Vima Deboda, the fallen Jedi uh, who trained him in the Kessel Mines. Uh, is described as very fallen, more or less unwilling to use her talents, primarily spent her time hiding in the corners of the mine. Even when the lights were on, she was using the force to draw shadows around herself and just hide. Mm-hmm. She only taught him a little bit, very briefly, a little bit at a time, because they were very rarely given any free time. And eventually she just disappeared, so he has no idea what happened to her. But, but it she, was definitely bad. She did tell him that... You know, he was very talented and could be very powerful. And then she fucked off somewhere. And he's like, well, I mean, she did say that, but I also don't know. She might have just, you know, been kooky. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, But she did teach him enough about the force that he could navigate through the maw, but not enough to do any of the telekinetic stuff. So most of this subchapter is taken up with him having been delivered a uh, like an Empire MRE which he is poking at dispiritedly because he's grumpy and trying Although, to use the force to move it. I love that they're like, oh, yeah, it's just a thing. You peel the top off, and as soon as you do, like, the hot side gets hot and the cool side gets cool, and then your utensils turn into snacks. And I'm like, that's great. I love I that. Did like, yeah, I like that description. It was kind of nice to get a little bit extra there, uh, as opposed to it just being described as, like, a gross thing that uh, was being given to a prisoner to be mean you know oh yeah there's Instead not just was, we put a gray blob on a plate and shoved it in there yeah so instead he gets this cool meal that like heats itself and cools itself and after about an hour the fork turns into a crunchy bar yeah that's great i love it that's neat that's like getting a thing of liquor made <laughs> oh boy you know where after a while you just eat that little stick yeah and if you're me, it's just immediately, and then you pour the powder down your throat anyway. Oof. That does Big, not sound how, like a fun time. It's not, but boy, oh boy, is it ever weird to have those huge, gross, like, lime green powder coughs. <laughs> I've got problems. 
You do. So, uh, <laughs> so he's sitting there trying to use the force. And interestingly enough, he's just trying to like dent his meal and he can't until he gets real mad. And then he can. And he's like, hmm, anger. Maybe I should consider anger to power the force. Maybe that's the key to being powerful. Getting real salty about stuff. Yeah, well, you know, foreshadowing for the books. Yay. And I think at that point we check in with Chewbacca. No, uh, we go back to Quizux as she's like, oh, oh okay. I, I have to find out what's going on here. Oh, okay, yeah. So she, she gets, I think she tells Han about the Sun Crusher. She's like, hey, you want to see what I'm working on now? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Under the impression that if he says no, she'll be like, oh, okay, you can go back to your prison cell then. Oh, yeah. And we get uh, a little bit of her background in that her and nine other kids were taken from her planet, uh, put on an education sphere that overlooked the planet, and Will Huff Tarkin's Death Star, or Star Destroyer, was sitting there, and then he would drill them with all sorts of like, oh, you need to learn physics and math and engineering and all of this, and if you ever fail a test, I'll blow up the city you come from. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently this is all happening because he read in some study somewhere at some point that uh, Omwat children in particular, if you train them super hard in one specific discipline, will either learn it better than everybody else or go crazy. And yeah, he's, he's like, just like, oh, I heard that Omwat children are super great at this, so I'm going to try out uh, an experiment and also blow up most of a planet. Well, it worked out one in ten kids, and here she is. Yep. After nine destroyed cities, we got Quizux. Yeah, and uh, nine destroyed cities and other kids in the room just going insane, like falling down, reaching at their own brains, like, engineer, I can't engineering enough. Yeah, because their brains are supposed to be, like, she says, super elastic or whatever, or able to learn a whole bunch of stuff. But, like, if you go too far, then it snaps. So one of the kids just straight up loses his shit during a test and, like, falls to the ground screaming and clutching his head. Yeah, and then he doesn't want his city to be blown up, obviously. So he's just, you know, trying desperately trying to reach for his paper as they drag him away yeah it's uh, so that's all sad very sad yeah not good you know good thing will huff tarkin died like six years ago in this storyline oh yeah asshole (laughs) but like as she tells han like oh yeah i made a super rad ultimately indestructible ship and uh it can (laughs) shoot a thing into a sun and blow it up and han's just like what <laughs> yeah like what could possibly be the point of that the all, it, you built a machine that blows up a sun I, i'm surprised you didn't call her out on the first point she made where she was like well i'm building a new device it has to be totally indestructible because it might encounter some resistance and and for him to be like uh what resistance do you think the construction tools that you designed for the empire are going to be met with like just you know thrown out there i'm just just curious, since obviously all you build is construction equipment for perfectly reasonable, not murder purposes, why would you need an indestructible one? <laughs> like, 
Is it because you think that there's a lot of people out there blowing up construction equipment that's beneficial to society? Oh yeah, but like it, what do you what do you think you're doing here? Have a yeah. seat right over Ex- there. Except unfortunately he <laughs> except unfortunately he doesn't. He's just like the Sun Crusher is obviously a weapon. Like that's the name of a weapon. That's the weapon's name and uh, what possible mining applications could blowing up a star system have? That is a murder machine, an absolute doomsday murder machine. Yeah. And she for the moment she's still just like no, and that's <laughs> as far. That's as far. Nuh-uh. I'm sure it has use, and even if it didn't, it's just a puzzle I'm solving. After all, like I solved the Death Star. Hey, did you know that we still have one? We got Death Star. Yeah, it turns out there's still a Death Star around, and she just points out the window, and as Han looks out at all the Star Destroyers and asteroids out there, sure enough, there's a big hollow arm or like mostly uh just spheroid of of tubules death star parked outside oh yeah it's just the death stars like main structural uh like beams and an engine and a laser and that's it mm-hmm. it's just a gantry and a laser but it's still a sphere it, it, she's she's like oh yeah that's the that's the prototype it works amazingly well we didn't bother putting a hyperdrive on that one yeah, this was just, you know, the prototype, and since we were just doing that, you know, no need for, like, buildings or places for people to stay, so we just built, you know, a big skeleton with a death laser on it. Yeah, and it works amazingly, and of course Han's like, ah, shit, now there's also a Death Star in here. There's <laughs> another Death Star. Great. Right, uh, this Death Star, I- I'm surprised, honestly, I'll say this, I'm surprised that they didn't want to test a hyperdrive on the Death Star prototype, because the Death Star is the size of a moon, and I don't know how good it is at hyperdriving. Well, the I would the problem is going to be, how are you going to test that within the tiny limits of the uh, maw that you are in? I, that is true. That is true. They have a nice secret spot here at the maw, and if they flew that thing outside the maw, presume, maybe someone would see it. Well, I mean, given that it's right next to Kessel and an entire drug smuggling ring yeah probably well one side of it is next to kessel it's a collection of black holes it's absolutely incredibly massive they could just go out the other side no i think i think you'll find that it's only very wide but not deep (laughs) yeah there's enough room for this giant emplacement between a bunch of black holes in the middle of it but you know, we built a Death Star in there, but it's pretty small. Like, you can see, it's the size of your neighbor's fence. I just like to think, you know, looking at it, you're like, God, how did you manage to maneuver Star Destroyers into here? And they're like, oh, you just go up. Everyone keeps thinking about this on, like, a 2D plane level. Oh, it's only it's only uh, black holes around us on one side, but you can go up or down, and it's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Just head up the top there. It's open. Look, you can see stars. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's enough of this chapter, right? Is this the point where we jump over to, I think it's Luke and Lando. Luke and Lando. Yeah. Yeah. Luke and Lando are hanging out in the, one of the air dispensary towers uh, on Kessel's surface with Morith Duel. Yeah. And Morith Duel is still just trying to, wheedle money out of uh lando was like come on give me that half million look we got we got stuff and it's impressive now give me your money 
Come on now, we got oxygen. And for some reason, they're just having a conversation about how long their current oxygen supply will last, uh, which is a century or two. They're saying there's enough raw material left in the the, the uh, cr- crust of this planet to make oxygen for about another 100 or 200 years. And Han's just like, whatever, who would care about that? Just get as much money while, as you can while you're breathing, am I right? Yes. But then he just tried... He tries Except the you silliest. aren't right because it was Lando, not Han. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I thought I thought it was Han and not Lando. Except oh. I didn't. I just said the wrong thing. I know. But I'm just going to correct yeah. you because it's my favorite thing to do in the world. That's okay. That's all right. I'm all right with it. I'm not. I'm uh, I'm ready to be corrected. Hit me again, sir. <laughs> Give me another one. <laughs> Thank you. May I have another? Uh, okay, so... Lando then tries a very silly tactic in an attempt to break uh, Morith Duel's defenses. When he just goes, hey, it must be really hard work for you to run this entire situation out here solo. (laughs) Uh, I do like that at least they were like, oh, no, that that does mean the same thing in Star Wars as it does here. It's not just a last name. Solo is also a term for alone. Yeah, no, it definitely also means alone, which is a foreshadowing, of course, of the Solo movie, where we learn that his last name isn't Solo. He's just an alone guy, so they gave him that name so we would know that he had last name alone. Yeah. Man, that was bad. It would have been better if his name was just Han Solo at the beginning of the movie. Wouldn't it have, though? Like, if there was a... That movie explained a lot of things that I thought was kind of cool when they explained it, and a lot more where I would have been a lot happier if they had not bothered. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, well, how do you explain this? Uh, because it's his name. Just fuck it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does why is there one toss off line in Empire about how your ship has triple droid processing power? Oh, okay. Well, no problem. We'll create a feminist uprising droid, murder her, and then stitch her brain against her will into the into the uh, Falcon. Yay! Uh, that sounds horrible. Yes. But That's it terrifying. Please don't. <laughs> but it explains things. Aren't you glad you learned things? <laughs> if you don't learn it, then what are we even here for? Right. And, I'll, and that one in the solo one of the two where you're just like, Jesus Christ, come on, guys. I'd say the other one I would throw out there. I don't I, I, I appreciated a good cape joke every now and then. But the idea that Lando is a cape guy was a little much. I'm like, sure, he wore a cape that one time. That doesn't mean he has to always wear every cape and have thousands of capes and have a room for capes. Um, yes, it does. This is Star Wars. If anyone displays any sort of trait, that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I appreciate a cape joke. I just didn't need that one to be in that much uh, strength, I think is the word I, I'm going to use. Uh, okay, so... This does work. They get a reaction out of Duel. He's just like, what? Why would you? <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Give me 500,000 credits. <laughs> and Luke's uh, and he... still trying to reach out with the Force and be like, where's Han and Chewie? All I sense is despair and torture. Uh. But that's not my problem. Not my Sips problem. a nice <laughs> Sip not some Jedi tea. Not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> so, so 
basically they're going to try one last thing to. Uh, but they do mention a conversation he recently had with the New Republic, sending out an ambassador, which I think more dual things sounds like a very tempting thing to offer. But both Han and Lando know. God, now it's now it's, I'm calling Luke Han, now, but Luke and Lando know uh, that that's Leia. That Leia tried to call him a couple days ago and and pretty much got brushed off. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we have one last place to check with the force to see if Han and Chewie are around. Can we tour your moon? We see you have a moon base. Can we go to the moon base? And at first, Duel's like, ah, come on. We don't need to go out to my moon base. That's ridiculous. It's just defenses against spice pirates. All right, fine. And and uh, sure enough, now we're at the moon base. Yeah. <laughs> Where they just... They just immediately see the Falcon just parked on a ramp somewhere. Oh, yeah. They get in there and they're like, you know, Luke's going, oh, okay. Uh, they got just an ass load of things here. It's just X-Wings and Y-Wings and all varieties of TIE fighters. And, you know, there's freighters and frigates and tigers and bears. Oh, my. <laughs> freighters and frigates and bears and bigots. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's horrible bigots here, and uh, they try to like tie it into the previous storyline where Duel's like, "Oh yes, we've been getting literally any ship of any quality that we could possibly get for years," and Luke has to be like, "Oh, no wonder it was so hard for us to, you know, acquire ships during our last big fight." Yeah, so he's been collecting every kind of ship. Uh, he has a couple of really big ones, even. He has a couple of, like, Carrot-class cruisers and a Lorinar Strike Destroyer. So he's doing pretty well for himself, if you're think, if you curious about that. Uh, you shouldn't be, because we knew he had a big fleet from the first chapter of the book. Yes. But uh, then they just spot the fucking Falcon sitting there. Like, just put it under a tarp or something. It's a famous spaceship. Uh, I mean, you've already argued <laughs> that they people wouldn't recognize Han or Lando or Luke on site. If they're not going to recognize the people, they're not going to recognize some ship. No, you're right. You've got me there. I've been kind of mismatched on this whole thing where I, I, uh, I've had my concern that using the name Timo is stupid because it might just show up in the news. I find it hilarious that, that, uh, people like Lando aren't recognized by Morith Duel, not because of his, his new Republic connections, but because he's a famous mining administrator. And Han, I mean, we knew he knew who Han was because he used to work with Han doing spice smugglings. Yeah. But even that should mean that he also knows that the Falcon's a pretty famous ship because Han was always bragging about all the shit it could do. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's famous. I can brag about all the shit my car does, and my car sucks ass and no one cares. <laughs> I've heard of your car. <laughs> I know your car. Your car's famous to me. <laughs> Ah, I need your car's autograph. <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll give you one million dollars for a night with your car. <laughs> it would be an honor if your car could run over my foot. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have another? Okay. Um. So they ask for a tour of it by just pretending that they want to tour a random ship, and they're just like that one, the one oh, yeah. that looks like. Let's say it's a hunk of junk so people get that old reference, huh? Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, well, we want to make sure you're actually doing maintenance. So, you know, totally at random, that one. And then 
basically Lando's plan is, hey, if I get inside there, I added as much crap to that ship as Han ever did. I can immediately find something I did that's special to that ship, and then we'll have him. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, yes, there are a lot of, you know, Corellian freighters out here. It's very possible that he could just have a YT-1300, but uh, if we go in... I will 100% know whether or not it is the Falcon. I mean, he knows it's the Falcon from the outside, because he's like, look, there's the carbon scoring I took when I flew into the Death Star with it. It's still out there. That's a specific hit in a specific place that happened while I was flying it. And Luke's just like, yeah, but are you sure, though? (laughs) How much rape and torture have you sensed on this planet so far, Luke? Why are you doing just... Fucking grab Morith Duel by the neck. Let's get this done with. But they get in there, and sure enough, immediately Lando's like, yeah, we're the Falcon. So he just reaches out and grabs Morith Duel. He's like, all right, now we've got you. Where's Han and Chewie? Yeah, and he pulls out, like, a little holdout blaster. And for some reason, Luke force throws him, like, against the wall and then just doesn't do anything anymore. Like, doesn't say force the gun away from him or like hold him floating in air he's just like oh, i'm just gonna shove you once and then i'm gonna take a nap you got this lando he doesn't even pull the saber he just stands there i mean i assume he doesn't have a saber on him because obviously he's pretending to be a manservant who was recently offered a job of shift boss oh yeah but i mean even without the saber you're a Jedi master, but he just lets Morith Duel run off of the ship and sound an alarm. And I'm like, right, and Luke, what are you doing? And ha- Lando's even like, ah, oh, we probably should have taken him as a hostage. Oopsie doodles. Anyway, Le- or, or uh, man, now I'm calling R2D2 Leia. I'm having a bad day, John. I'm having a bad day. It's a it's a name day. It's fine. It's an yeah, R2D2. Uh, get the shield turned off. We're leaving and we're taking the Falcon. Leia will will be okay if we just come back with the Falcon. Oh, yeah. Because they're I like, if we that. can go back and tell Leia, yes, Morth Duel very clearly lied and has Han and Chewie somewhere or killed them, we can come back with, like, the full might of the Republic. Although, I gotta say, they take the Falcon and fly out of there And I'm amazed they didn't just, you know, have the Falcon lift off and then shoot every ship in that hangar. Oh, right? Yeah, just, uh, I have to assume the only way that that makes any sense is that the first thing that the uh, techs did when the Falcon landed on this moon base was just drain all of its weapons. Which, of course they didn't. We've already seen the Falcon go after Han when he was trying to escape, and it had weapons. Yeah, so... So yeah, they just fly away. I assume that's just because because uh, Luke can't do anything mean to anybody without getting in trouble. <laughs> Lando should. Lando should just be like, "Can I? Do we got bombs in here? Can I get into the little pod and shoot lasers at them? No one's shields are up. They're all just sitting here turned off. So I could blow up basically anything in here." Yeah, he could just take out this whole fucking fleet, and then he wouldn't have to put a bunch of lives at risk in a couple days when the New Republic shows up. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, his own life at risk when he flies out because he will then immediately be followed by every ship he didn't blow up. <laughs> anyway, we end here 
as opposed to ending in the next scene where they're running away from a whole fleet that they didn't bother shooting at. Yeah, god damn it. Figure your shit out, Lando. Uh-huh. Blessedly, we don't have all that much or any Leia in this this set of chapters, so we don't have to think about that stuff. Nope. Instead, it's time to now I think it's finally time to see what's going on with Chewbacca. Nope. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Who's it time for, John? Toll Sivron goes to visit Quizlex. Uh, yeah. Toll Sivron, administrator of the sciences at uh, the Maw installation goes off to visit Quizux, and he is apparently a big, hunched-over, very heavily cloaked Twi'lek. Oh, yeah. We, we've we already established that he is the uh, Return of the Jedi-type Twi'lek, uh, where he's just a gross monster. Yeah, no, he's jowly and grubbly, as opposed to... Uh, I mean, Return of the Jedi was an introduction to both types of Twi'lek, because you had... Uh, you had Bib Fortuna, who had turkey gobbles on his neck and looked like a pale British sausage. Uh, and you also had Ula, who was a sexy dancer. Oh, yeah. So this is a Bib Fortuna type who's like, yeah. I've got pointy teeth and, like, claws for some reason, and I'm just sort of gross looking at all times. Mm-hmm. My leku or vermiform, as opposed to erotic. <laughs> I'm starting to determine, or, or uh, detend detect a little bit of, like, sexism in the way that Twi'lek are commonly described. Whoa, hold uh, on you, now, buddy. Do think, I don't know about that. <laughs> it seems like the men are described as gross turkey gobbles with worms on their heads, and the women are sex babes. Are you trying to tell me that they've divided up a species along gender lines between gross heaps and sex havers? <laughs> I like there's one episode of Mandalorian that has a, a male and female Twi'lek sister and brother pair, right? Mm-hmm. And while they they didn't quite go as far as to make the dude absolutely gross, he definitely is has crap on his face where the uh, the lady the girl one just has sharp teeth. Hmm. So while she looks completely normal except for sharp teeth and leku underneath like a leather leku hat. He's got his Leku out, and he's got, like, giant forehead nobules over each of his eyes. Yeah, I guess. And I wonder, I, I gotta wonder if those are, like, cantilever weights to make it so that the Leku prop, like, stays on his head. When it, the, the, the reason they didn't need them for Xion uh, is that, you know, she's wearing a hat, so they could just tie them to the hat. Oh, yeah, it's just part of the hat. Yeah. But uh, he ends up looking, they, they almost, even though he's muscular and good-looking... Uh, they still give him some gross face nobules just to make sure that we never lose this thing where, where girl Twi'leks are pretty, but boy Twi'leks are fucking gross. Anyway, uh, Tol Sivron's poking around Quizux's office. He's very skexies. He just sort of wanders in. He's like, hmm, what is this? Poke, poke, prod, prod, mess with everything. Yeah, he's, he's just kind of a weird nervous little man and Quizux is like this guy's a dumbass and basically had the same reaction that we had last episode where she's like how did this guy get in charge of this place he doesn't even seem to like science no but he's a natural administrator he's basically the office's Dwight when it comes to this horrible complex of doom uh and he is here to basically Get her to finish the Sun Crusher, which 
he knows has been done for years and she knows has been done for years, but he's been uh, slow rolling the project just so it looks like he's keeping busy. Yeah. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to need your final report by tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to send you my last final report that I gave you that you obviously didn't read. Yeah, she knows. And boy, have I ever been in that situation. I used to work at a property management firm, and one of my jobs was to compile this like 700-page spiral-bound notebook of every single house that the apartment, the property management firm was in charge of and what was going on with it and its value rankings and deliver 35 copies of them to various executives in the building. Wow. And I got, it took me most of my month. Uh, most of my month was taken up with making this fucking thing. Uh, and every time I'd walk into every single person's office who got one, they wouldn't have taken the rubber bands off it from the last month. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely a thing where you're like, but why do you need that? Honestly, if the whole point is like, oh, let's keep an up to date uh, file of what all of our properties are at. I'm like, by the time you've got this done and printed out, it is going to not be up to date anymore. We no, have no, computers, it was my dudes. It, yeah, it was completely worthless. I mean, granted, that was a long... That was my first fucking non-lifeguard job. It was... I can tell you the exact year it was, because it was 2001, because I was working there on September 11th. Oh, well, How fun. Yeah. So, the job existed because some middle manager thought they could make themselves noticeable if they offered to make giant books of bullshit for every single executive in the building, and then did it for a month, realized it was hard, and hired some schmo to do it instead. Yeah. <laughs> And there you have it. That's my story. That's a good uh, story. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So I understand Queezux's frustration in this moment. I'm just saying I do. And she's just like, whatever. It's already fucking done. I'll just send him the same report. But what's the hurry? What the hell's going on? What does he need it for? Oh, yeah. It's like, you've oh, been no. fucking jerking off for baddies? two years. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, she uh, she does have in this chapter the final moment where she's like, all right, yeah, okay. I can't just, you know stick my head in the sand and say oh i'm just just doing my work just sciencing it up here nothing to see here she's like oh yeah no i i i guess i guess i am kind of a monster <laughs> well luckily for her she doesn't have too much time to be alone processing that thought because then some stormtroopers march in and they're like attention quee zucks you have to why am i talking like a robot I should be using stormtroopers. We are stormtroopers. <laughs> no, this is a rare chance for us to do our bit. Beep it's boop. so rare that we... <laughs> he called me a turd, sir. <laughs> Robot stormtrooper. Oh, you gotta come. <laughs> I'm afraid uh... you gotta come with us. He uh where the, the the boss wants to see you. And she's just like, What? Why? That's not our job. We don't have to know, sir. Well, I'm I'm Doing uh, stuff. She's yeah, just well, going to get hauled up in front of Natasi Dalla. Actually, at first, she's hauled up behind Natasi Dalla. I wonder why that would happen. Well, I, I assume it's so that we can get a description of the cascading, beautiful auburn locks that will <laughs> go around Dalla's butt as she turns. 
we even get a description of when she turns around, how all of her hair doesn't turn around at once. And so for a moment, she is wreathed in, in copper fire. And I'm like, I get it already. I mean, I've read enough Kevin J. Anderson stuff to know that he doesn't normally pack a hot redhead into everything. So it might not just be his thing, but boy, it was his thing this time around. Oh, yeah. It's like, yo, we get it. You're horny for Dala. It's fine. I understand. Although, as I'm saying that, I'm realizing he also did write a lot of X-Files fan fiction. You're goddamn right. Do you think he might have let Gillian Anderson's care, like Scully grow her hair out at one point? Ah! <laughs> uh, we can only hope. I'm not going to touch those books. Not with any length of pole. And, and, uh, well, uh, you better not let me back in control like last time, because God knows I will make it a Kevin J. Anderson X-Files book. It's cool. I'm safe. I'm not going to let you have control of those reins until you let me pick a TV mastery season. <laughs> All right. Very good. Nothing will ever change then. <laughs> we are in a detente. <laughs> uh, this is nuclear disarmament time. Uh, okay. So Dala is you know, obviously an imposing figure who has not seen Quizux in years. Like, why would she bother? She's off here training Imperial people to be Imperial. The science people go off there and do science shit. Uh, oh, yeah. But if she has to talk to someone, she's just going to go talk to Tol Sivron and be like, hey, tell your science people whatever. Right. Now, this does terrify Zux because Zux spent most of the earlier part of this same day breaking every password on the Imperial side so she could determine whether or not she's been a bad guy this whole time. Oh, yeah. When she sees the actual video of Han getting tortured and she's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, we're definitely evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he gets she gets that that she looks up everything. She gets all the information from that interrogation. So she's like, oh, no, oh, no, we didn't just torture him. We also blew up a whole planet. And oh, oh, this is all bad. All of this. And she's not even seeing all the post empire stuff. No. This is just the stuff that, like, Dala wanted to know about and Han knew. And that's enough she, for her to be like, woof. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow, this is this is so rough. But luckily for her, in a brief twist of, uh, of fate, Dala's not mad about that. Instead, she's like, hey, I want to make sure you're about ready to have that Sun Crusher ready to go. Because we're going to go conquer the New Republic. <laughs> We've got four Star Destroyers. Yeah, we've got a fleet they don't know about, and definitely that uh, super weapon that you're going to give to me by the end of the day. So, you know, let's go out there and murder just a lot of people. We're going to blow up system after system until the New Republic is absolutely crumbling. Isn't that great? <laughs> She's, you know, Zux is like, uh... Yeah, I can't wait to do murders. <laughs> I'm s so happy about murder. You gotta... The, the, uh, the thing that I feel sad for Dala is that she doesn't even have an understanding of how crappy Ford to Star Destroyers is. Like, yeah, back in the early days of Tarkin, that was a big fucking deal. But there were more, f more than four Star Destroyers present at the blowing up of Death Star 2. Oh, yeah. When she's like... Oh, we've got a fleet they don't even know about. I'm like, no, you don't. You have four ships. Sure, it's a lot of ships back when the, when the New Republic was still the Rebellion, but that's because the Rebellion was a little tiny terrorist organization. Now they've got their own shipyards. Yeah, 
Like, they were able to take on multiple Star Destroyers back when they were shitty. If you show up with four Star Destroyers now, they're going to be like, uh, okay. Somebody mm. blow those up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I got about one-eighth of a Warlord Zinj on screen here. Should I, uh, should I do anything? Nah. Anybody give a shit about this? Uh... <laughs> Crix Madine, you want to take care of this one if you're into it? Oh, wow. Someone remembered my name? Okay, sure. Yeah, now I'm yeah, totally into it. That's my kink. <laughs> Give me two B-Wings and, uh, I don't know, a freighter. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's pretty much, I think that's the end of the of the, of the series, that, or not the series, the end of this chapter. And I think we're, oh, no, we still have to check in with Chewbacca at some point. Yes, the thing that you keep trying we, to get to. Chewbacca. I want to talk about Chewbacca. Chewbacca's so bad. Yeah, Chewbacca, Chewbacca it, has a page and a half of things to do. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's almost nothing. He's getting tortured and beat by a slave master who's like, hey, you, you're going to get to work on doing, you know, Wookiee labor. And Chewbacca's like, you know, nah, I'm not doing that. No. And, and, and he's like, hey, normally I'd spend all day torturing you to break you like I have every other Wookiee who's ever worked for me, but I'm actually in a hurry, so... Either you're going to go to work, or I'll just put you out in airlock. Yeah. He's like, look, I, I'm i a torturer and a slave master by trade, and I love my job. But uh, mm -hmm. we're under a real time crunch, so fucking get to it or get out. And by get out, I mean in airlock. Yeah. So Chewie's like, fine. And he goes to start doing, like, check-ins and, and uh, tune-ups on fighter ships, on TIE fighters and junk. I do like there that they're like, oh, yeah, they're, he's doing Wookiee labor. And immediately you think like, oh, that's like heavy manual labor stuff because you're going to use a big old Wookiee. But he's just doing like engineering checks on ships. I got to wonder, do they know that most Wookiees are actually super technically savvy? Like Chewbacca is a hyperspace engineer. Of course, he can do whatever he needs to here. Uh, but why would they use a Wookiee labor pool if they were just going to use them all as engineers? This is a whole complex of engineers. Like, I, I don't, whatever. He doesn't get a chance to talk to any of the other Wookiees. They keep them separated. Uh, they or don't even gotta. let them sleep in the same area. You got to keep them separated. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty much what what's going on with Chewbacca. There's not much else to him. He... He obviously is like, okay, well, naturally I'm planning a slave uprising. That's what I do. But, you know, he's up in one of the, uh, like, little fighter ships that he's uh, checking, like, maintenance on. And he just keeps having moments where he's like, all right, urge to rip out all the wiring for the life support. Overwhelming, but they would find that out and immediately shoot me. So I guess I won't. <laughs> yeah, he's just playing the game for now. Oh, yeah. It's mostly his entire deal is him thinking about, oh, I really want to do something to this, and I can't. Yeah, yeah. He's very Eeyore in this moment. And there you have it. That's uh, I think that's everything from everybody. I don't believe we checked in with anyone else over the course of this, uh, this uh, set of chapters. Nope, that's it. That's all of it. You know, mm -hmm. this book, so much better when we don't check in with Leia at all. I know. It's I like actions it. happening. It bothers me so much because in the movies, Leia is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, but in like she's pretty much every book. And, no, yeah, she's assertive and cool and confident, and e even when she gets shot, she's still like, "Oh fuck them! I'm just gonna have a gun ready and shoot them when they get over here." She's rad as hell, but here in the book, she's just 
whiny and incompetent, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Uh huh. And even if they were like, well, we don't, we didn't think of a story for Leia to do, then just don't write it. <laughs> if you yeah, don't yeah. care and don't want to write something, then don't do it because it'll turn out like this where you're like, uh, and then Leia showed up and she was like, I'm the prettiest ambassador. Please have a crown for me. Oh no, my children. Anyway. Like, how did none of these authors at any point come to a realization that every one of the, the writings of uh, Leia's ambassadorial duties made her look like an idiot? Like a mean, self-righteous idiot? Yep. Either like, lazy point, or bad. Yeah. Th there's no point where she comes off, you know, like a qualified... Because uh, the, the, the thing is, they never write, like, real diplomacy. All they write is gotchas. Yeah, there's never the, any point where it's like... Ah, yes, Leia gets the W on this, and not because she found some weird legal loophole, but just because she was good at her job. Yeah, it's always that she discovers a secret or that the enemy is actually a Sith. It's never just like, oh, what do you know? She found a, she worked really hard until everybody uh, had a compromise they were okay with. I guess probably because that wouldn't be exciting. I guess, but honestly weird deus ex machina stuff where it's just like and then i found out the one secret that would work is boring as well yeah anyway john on happier news did you know that you can support us at the two dollar level of course i did not you you can't i wouldn't allow it oh no but i know you, i you could but i can't <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna let you uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $2 level where you will unlock bonus content about this very topic. Well, sort of. It'll be about Star Wars. How's that? Is that close enough? Yeah, Star Wars is a topic. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what we do for the bonus content for this show is we go to Wikipedia, often using the, the episode we just recorded as inspiration. We find stupid stories, and then we come back and tell them to each other. And we've been doing it for like 80 episodes in a row, both of us coming up with a story every time. And we have not even come close to running out of stupid stories. So please, come join us. You'll get access to that entire huge library of old dumb crap all of the old bonus content for System Mastery, and all the stuff going forward. It's an amazing deal for $2 an episode. Hell yeah! And once again, that is at patreon.com slash systemmastery. The $2 level unlocks this content, and a whole bunch more, and there are more levels you can unlock as well. It's a great friggin' deal for your dollar. Go do it. Do it right now. All right, and uh, I think that's about all we're going to say on the matter. Uh, so we'll see you over on the bonus content. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and until such time as we see you again in a week, I've been Elan Sleaze Boggiano. And I Zucks Death Sticks. 